This episode of Inside Acting is brought to you in part by VO2GoGo, the award-winning voiceover training system and winner of Backstage's Reader's Choice Award for Best VO Training four years in a row. Visit vo2gogo.com start for a free getting started in voiceover online class that will help you add voiceover to your acting portfolio. That's vo2gogo.com start. Hey, welcome to episode 170 of Inside Acting. I'm Trevor Elgott. And I'm AJ Meyer. And on this podcast, we bring you interviews with working actors, writers, filmmakers, agents, managers, producers, casting directors, personal finance and fitness gurus, voiceover artists, and more. All of them serving up insider tips on marketing yourself, creating your own work, and booking a gig. It's a knowledge bomb, all-you-can-eat buffet for everyone. We got the TV tips over here. You got the theater tips over there. You got the film tips over there. You got the career and lifestyle tips over there. Straight from the people who've been there, done that, and are doing it again. I'll take a full helping of uh, financial advice and a, uh, <laughs> a few, uh, let's see, a few fitness dumplings. And, I think we just um, figured out the, the recipe for our like next like ad. It'll be like a little skit in a in a, in a buffet. <laughs> oh man, that I, I would. Well, we're gonna have to work really hard for that to not be super cheese ball. And obviously, we're two dudes who run a buffet. I mean, a podcast. We started this restaurant uh, because we are <laughs> we were looking for the answers. E for effort, dude. And e I, for effort. I tried. It wasn't. It, I didn't even think it was funny. I'm laughing because I'm laughing at myself. I'm like, that wasn't funny, AJ. Good try though. And uh, we were sick and tired of being told we had to pay for this buffet of knowledge bombs. <laughs> just gonna keep rolling with it man it's why like, not shove it down their throat so uh <laughs> we made it free it's a free buffet and put it on the internet and you know while all success stories are built on common themes there's no right way to do anything so if you hear something in this episode or any episode for that matter with which you agree or disagree we would love to hear from you. Just send us an email, shoot us a tweet, comment on our, comment on our website, leave us a voicemail. That'll go to the same place, namely the two dudes that I mentioned before. Us. I'm talking about both of us in the third person. You can find out all the different ways you can get in touch with the podcast and get your voice on the show by starting at our website, InsideActingPodcast.com. And a bit later in today's meal, we'll have a part two of our somewhat dated but still completely 100% totally awesomely relevant chat with uh, actor J.K. Simmons. So make sure you guys stick around. I feel like uh, I feel like every time we reach a five, it's it feels like a big number. It feels like a big episode. Anyway, what's up with you? It's an interesting time in the industry right now because around the holidays, especially around Thanksgiving, things so- seem to kind of simultaneously slow down and pick up. And I don't entirely know what I mean by that, but I do know that I tend to experience a sort of slump in the general activity of the industry. But I also tend to get like a slew of commercial auditions or, or things like that right around the, this kind of like two or three weeks here. It's, it's an interesting time uh, or, you know, historically has been for me. Um, how about you? I, I, that's great, man. I, I mean, I've had years where that has happened, but it's certainly not a trend. I've had years where I got I, I, I was going, you know, we were going through the holidays and I'm thinking, oh, everything's going to slow down. And, and, and it ended up being that... Um, things picked up or I got a lot of auditions or I had auditions mm-hmm. waiting for me on the other side of the holidays type thing. Mm-hmm. But, but it, it, it's certainly, hmm, yeah, it's certainly never been a trend. <laughs> I, you know, uh, I, I, yeah, I wonder if it maybe has something to do with uh, casting for holiday and commercials and things like that. Well, maybe, yeah. I mean, hmm. It's been a yeah, while it does, since I've I, had a commercial, uh, commercial uh, agent, so... Could be. Oh, could I thought be. I thought you were um, at least hip pocketing with somebody or something out there. No, sir. No, no? sir. Uh-uh. Okay. Yeah, all my voiceover stuff is coming through my manager right now. I would love to get 
you know, a uh, commercial and voiceover agent, specifically voiceover, because I, I'm, I'm really interested in seeing if I can continue this trend of accidentally booking voiceover gigs. That's the name of your, uh, of your book, The Accidental Voiceover Artist, <laughs> right there. But I, I did have my, you know, musical, new musical reading this weekend, which was, which was fun. Yeah, and how'd that go? It went really well. It went really well. Yeah, I, uh, I had got a lot of great feedback from audience members and from other cast members, and the, the, the writers really loved my work, and um, yeah, it was really cool. I, and I met a lot of really cool people, and there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a group or a guy or it might be a girl. I don't. I don't know that I met the writer, but someone's working on a musical about Steve Jobs called The Crazy Ones. The Q and A, not Q and A. There was like a feedback session afterwards with four um, industry professionals, whether they were directors, writers, producers, something like that, which was obviously really valuable for the writers. Um, my favorite part, uh, and Trevor, you will probably appreciate this as uh, more more of a writer than I am, but my favorite part of that was. <clears throat> there was a moment in the show where a character was essentially losing something, but he wasn't speaking up. It got brought up in the feedback session, and the writer was like, can I just tell you that that is exactly the purpose of things like this, these staged readings where we get to see it you know, in action for the first time? He said, because when it's on the page... You don't realize that that character is not saying anything because you're just you're just writing, but seeing it on stage, he's standing there not saying anything, and all I could think was, "Effing say something! <laughs> say something! Why are you standing?" The the writer is like willing his own character to please speak up for himself, and so I, I that that was my fa- it got a big laugh, but it was my favorite part because it was a great lesson for any writer, any writers out there who listen to this or whatever. It, uh, I thought that was a great, a great lesson to, to actually, even, I mean, even if you were writing a, a screenplay or a short film or something, a web series, whatever it is, it might be valuable or would likely be valuable for you to get a bunch of people together to read it. Even yeah, if, even if yeah. it's not the people that you're planning on casting, you know, just get a few friends together and <clears throat> maybe have them just do a cold read either sitting down or standing up and moving around or something and yeah and kind of see see what what you learn or what you gain from that yeah it's so it's so effective in fact uh you know mike bowers uh, one of our listeners um at least you know his name uh he's been really communicative with us and really great a long time listener and he uh he and his i want to say roommate mary angela wrote a script together and they actually invited me to the reading. It's like a feature film script, like a hundred and I think it clocked in at like 135 pages or something like that. And wow, you know, there were like 15 or so of their actor friends that got together and they got a couple pizzas and we went and read it. And it was a lot of fun. And um, I think it gave them a lot of great stuff to kind of work with going forward and probably insights that they never would have uh, had had they not assembled a bunch of different voices and, and uh, talents and brains to kind of take a look at the script. Uh, you know, and they, they invited uh, additional feedback via email and it was, it was cool. You know, I'm excited to see where that goes. And I think it's, if you, if you've got a, a performance piece of any kind, definitely a, a read through of some kind is definitely um, a smart move. Now, a question for you about the musical, because I've been to a couple of staged reading or not staged, but readings of musicals. And one time they had separate musicians do the songs. One time they just played a, a recording of the song for the audience or, or, or whatever at that point. And sometimes they actually, the actors had actually prepared and sang the songs. So what was the case with this one? We, yeah, we, uh, the actors, uh, all sang. I mean, that's kind of going back to things I've been speaking about on previous, uh, previous episodes. That's a thing that is much more common here in New York because people here can sing. I mean, a lot of people do musical theater, so it's, uh, you know, you, you, when you ask someone or hire someone or, some, you know, someone volunteers to do a reading like this, it's, it's, it's probably, you can probably bet that, that they are doing so uh, or you are asking them because they can, they can sing. So all the actors, we all held book, but we learned the songs and we had a music director and we had a, the music director was also our accompanist and that's, 
just kind of how it goes here. There was no pay for this, right? Well, technically no, but uh, I don't want to. I don't want like give away too much. But one of the writers um, has been incredibly generous because the second time I've done a reading for them for this show, and one, uh, one of the writers uh, gave us um, a little compensation. Gave us a gift card one time and a, and and some cash um, the second time, and I I. I I was not expecting that. It was a complete surprise and going way above and beyond. I would have absolutely done it for free because I enjoy working on it. I, I gave me a chance to meet people, gave me a chance to get out there, network, be seen, etc. But she, yeah, I, I think she really went above and beyond and, and, and took care of, of people as a, as a, as a thank you more than any, more than yeah. anything. Yeah. That's awesome. It's, that's a great, you know, it's like another great, like, I know a lot of actors who probably would say something along the lines of, I don't have time for this, or I, you know, if you're not going to pay me, I can't be involved. But think of all the relationships you'll build there and all the connections you'll make. And who knows? I mean, this, this musical could be huge and go places and you could be first on the list to, to see for casting. Yeah. 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 I, it's, 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 I don't know. I probably would do it if I was still in LA. I can't imagine I wouldn't do something like this if I had the time. But, but, it, but, but knowing that I am purposefully seeking opportunities to build relationships right now because I'm in a new city slash new market, I'm I'm very I'm very con- uh, very consciously going after opportunities like this here. We got an email from Chris, who's an actor based in San Diego, and he says he listens to the podcast every time he makes the long haul up to LA, which is very cool. I just, that's so cool to hear. He finds the info that we pass, uh, pass on in the interviews we do to be extremely valuable. So thank you. Well, thank you, Chris. Uh, he says, uh, I hear you guys talk about acting reels every now and then, and I've done my fair share of research as to what makes a great acting reel, but still, I feel like I don't know what the F is right or wrong in terms of practices. Um, so essentially, he's just asking, why not ask us? What are our thoughts on on acting reels? And uh, hmm, you know, this is a big question. There's there's really I responded to him and and kind of offered my two cents. And this was actually perfectly timed because I had just been at my agent's office having a meeting with him, and he was showing me some other some of the reels on uh, on on our on the, the client roster list. And these are actors who work all the time, and they're very specific actors. They're very specific types, very specific characters. And I remember Carl saying to me, he said, you know, it's just another... He showed me two or three great reels. And, he, and they were really... There was nothing flashy about the editing. They didn't... Uh, they all kind of... You know, one reel would break the rules that seemed to be kind of proposed by the other one in terms of uh, transitions or title at the beginning or no title or music or, you know, any of that stuff. It was crazy. But what, he, what Carl boiled it down to is he said, each one of these actors has figured out what they do, who they are, what they're selling, and they're that specific with it. And once they figure that out, they work all the time. And that kind of, it's kind of a throwback to what Mark Atterbury said way mm-hmm. back in mm-hmm. you know, episode 40. Yeah. We, were, we were at Actor Fest and that girl stood up and she's like, I don't want to be typecast. And, and he, yeah, <laughs> he and said, Everybody why? was like, what? Why, why not? not? Yeah, and, and I think Mark Atterbury actually said, you know, like, Pamela Anderson never would have had a career if she said, I never want to be typecast. Um, but since she was willing to be typecast, she had a really long career in doing Baywatch and is probably set for life. So there's a lot of actors who get their start that way, uh, being typecast. And then once they kind of establish themselves, they're able to, to kind of, you know, you know, do the eye patch and the limp and all that stuff a little bit later. But I think that that's really the kind of crux of it. I think it's easy to get caught up in, you know, what kind of transitions to use, how long should it be, things like that. And I think there are general guidelines for that stuff. But more than anything, find out what it is that you are selling and get as specific as possible with that and make sure that the reel revolves around that. I have a few more kind of thoughts, but before I jump into them, I I definitely want to give you a chance to 
to jump in, AJ. So any thoughts? I think I know what those thoughts are, and they are mine as well. In fact, <laughs> okay. uh, in fact, when I teach my digital actor workshop at UCLA and USC, I very often uh, quote you and the things that you and I have discussed on the podcast and sort of heard over the years, and they are... Um, more on the technical side, although not not really. It's sort of where technical meets making a good product, where technical meets make, showing you off, essentially, where technical meets your your acting skill. And and that is to say, you know, I always steal the um, Trev when you say, you know, it, you need to look good, sound good, and act. <laughs> and well, like you need, yeah. and act well. You look good, yeah. sound good, act well, and by act well. Really, what we mean by that is that the the scene is is either about you or you are the focus of the scene or you um, you know carry the scene or you have either either the majority of the lines or if you don't have any lines or you have very few lines, you're the focal point and it is your reactions that are make that are telling the story and moving the scene forward because mm. otherwise, you know, I mean the only exception i think and trevor i would love to hear your thoughts on this i feel like the only exception to this to that to that sort of um best practice would be if you were in a scene with a mega star like a tom hanks or something and you just had like one or two lines um and just wanted to kind of show that you were in a a major feature film or something like that i can't think of any other reason why you wouldn't want the scene to be all about you and focused on you and that, and that, and that's pretty much all I have to say about it, other than you know keep it shorter than like ninety seconds or something like that. But, yeah, uh, no, I, I yeah I would agree with that. I would say you know ninety seconds to two minutes is really <clears throat> the longest you want to go, and and really like you know casting directors are not going to have a chance to watch more than the first twenty seconds or so. I mean, and if you doubt that, <laughs> I challenge anybody who doubts that to Google actor reels and try and watch 50 in the course of an hour and see how many you feel like sitting through the entire ones of. Most of the time, you'll spend, you'll get into the, the casting director mode of your, of your personality. You'll get there very quickly and you'll go through the first 5, 10, 15 seconds and go, yes, no, no, yes, yes, no, yes. You know, you, you make your decision very quickly. Hmm. And it's all based on that first material. So make sure that the, the best looking material that shows you goes up front. Uh, and I would say, yeah, the, the exception would be is if, you know, you are opposite Tom Hanks. But of course, if you are opposite Tom Hanks, it's going to be really good looking material. Um, one little trick that seems to work really well, uh, just to kind of, if you have footage that's not terribly focused on you, but you're in it and it's good footage and you want to keep it in your reel, I found this trick works really well. If you've got clips back to back, let's say you have three clips back to back, make sure that the last frame of the outgoing clip uh, is a picture of your face, is of your face, and the first frame of the next clip is also a picture of your face. So when you kind of smash cut between, between clips in your reel, it's always going from you to you. Because when you go from, if you cut to another character and then go away and then come back and you cut to another character and then go back to you, it can be a little confusing it, it becomes a little bit extra mental labor for somebody to be like, wait, who, who's real is this? Who am I watching? But if it's, if it's constantly like you at the end and you at the beginning and we're seeing your face back to back in different settings with different stories and different music and different lighting, then we very quickly realize that, oh, this guy is the star of this story. Even if the story, quote unquote, the story is five clips that are completely unrelated. So I found that to be a, a really effective best practice. And that's actually one thing that I, I do see commonly on the, on the good reels. The reels where I go, yeah, I, I, I would hire this guy as an actor. Hmm. Uh, so, um, yeah, there's that. I mean, there's other little things. Like I would say, go, don't, don't worry about putting your name up front. A lot of actors want to put a picture of their headshot and a little title that says, you know, like John Smith, SAG-AFTRA, with your phone number and stuff. I would say don't even worry about that up front because – it's, if it's going to be in your actor's access profile, your LA casting profile, it's going to be next to a picture of your headshot. So the version of the reel that you put up on those sites, I would say just go ahead and jump right into your material as quickly as possible. And if you want, you can put like a little sub, not, yeah, like a subtitle thing uh, uh, on the first clip that says your name and your, your union status if you want. But uh, most of the reels that Carl showed me at our, at our meeting did not have anything like that. Um, it was just, we jumped right into the material and it was pretty obvious who we were watching because we just saw their photo. 
So little things like that, you know, I mean, yeah, keep that, it short face to face and, uh, and don't worry about music or headshot. Mon- don't ever do a montage. That stuff is stupid. <laughs> just jump right into your material. Yeah. That, yeah. that you just, uh, that's a really good tip. I, I, I like the idea of doing a specific version for those casting websites like actors access. That's, um, that's I, I never really thought of that before. Like you can, you know, you absolutely can. You know, we talk about having different versions of your reel, as in having a drama, a comedy, a commercial, or whatever. But actually, you know, you can have uh, a version that you know is it's that's the one I'm going to be uploading to Actors Access. So I definitely don't need to put my you know name on it or whatever. This is this one's going to be on my website, so I don't need to put my name there. But you know, if there's one that for instance, you feel like it's going to be floating out there in space for some reason, maybe on YouTube or something like that. You might yeah, put your yeah. put your name, but that's a that's a good tip. I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah, and, and one other thing I'm kind of experimenting with. I'm not sure if I'm going to do this, but I'm currently kind of editing my my newest reel, integrating a lot of footage that I've gotten recently, and I'm I'm experimenting with having like a sort of like main reel that is a, a combination of all the work that I've done, both comedic, dramatic, you know, slapstick. Um, really dramatic all that stuff all in kind of in one reel and it's 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 you know it's clocking in at like two and a half minutes right now so i'm thinking of actually putting it up there sort of as is and then also cutting a one minute uh speed reel for drama and a one minute speed reel for comedy and having all three of those listed on my profiles Hmm. just so people who want to dig deeper can without having to Google me or go into the effort of, you know, looking me up on, online, they'll just have options right there. If they like the speed reel, they can go, oh, let's take a look at his, at his um, comedy reel or if we're looking for that specifically or let's just jump into his kind of general reel. I, I don't know if that's a good idea yet or not, but it, it's kind of a thought that I had and I think it might be something to consider. Right on. So, so this is a huge, like obviously it's a huge question. Um, I'm trying to think of like good resources to go to, uh, to, to like learn more. But I, I really think that the best way you can learn about what makes for a good reel is to just watch a bunch of reels. They're all over YouTube and Vimeo and, and just watch a bunch and see what works for you. And after you watch like your 15th one, you'll start to be like, okay, it's really tedious when actors do this, but it's really helpful when they do this. When the clips are longer than such and such, it's boring. When the clips are quick, it's like, you know, you, you'll start to develop a sensibility, I think, for what, uh, what works and what doesn't. Totally. And take notes. <laughs> yeah, and take notes. So hope this helps, Chris. Thanks for the question. Well, that was our only email for this episode. We have uh, no other emails, no other voicemails. So what's, uh, what's the deal, listeners? What's going on? Where have you, you been? What's uh, what's happening there? Shame on you. <laughs> we, no, it's cool, man. We just Hope like you guys sh- are... we just shamed our listeners into <laughs> no sending us things. That's no, terrible. I hope everybody's I hope everybody's uh, with family, enjoying turkey and stuffing and all that stuff. Is there? I hope that's where you guys are at this week. They're just playing the podcast for their whole family. Yeah, that would be bizarre. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, I guess we should, I mean, we can do this at the end of the episode as well, but, uh, you know, we could wish each, wish, uh, each other and our listeners a happy Thanksgiving since, uh, that's the week that this episode will go live. So, oh, I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> You're looking forward to the food. Let's be honest. So You're looking forward to the food and I'm looking forward to part two of J.K. Simmons' Redux interview. You see that segue? How about that? That was that was masterful, How my about friend. Them apples, you're That's welcome. Good. You're welcome, town. So, without further further ado, here is uh, J.K. Simmons' Redux Part Two, and we'll catch you on the other side. in one of your emails to us I think something that we both thought was just absolutely gold yeah, yeah. You, you basically said my only advice is that I was kind of in the right place at the right time and I and I answered the phone and that's it and yeah. I was like you could we could talk about that for like an hour like what is what, is, what does that mean you, I was in the right place at the right time and I, all I did was pick up the phone so there's my well, advice you know all it is and it's not uh, you know I referred earlier to just not really having a plan or an ambition or you know I just I, I sort of stumbled into doing theater and it and it struck a chord in me and there were lots of pretty girls there and you know I just thought well this is this is really cool and at the time I was pursuing a music career and I thought you know it's not like I'm gonna go be Leonard Bernstein 
you know, because I'm going to the University of Montana. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to Juilliard or somewhere else. And, and that's going to be an incredibly difficult career no matter what. So, you know, I'll just keep stumbling along doing what I'm doing and having fun. And, and hopefully I can go do summer stock in Montana for the rest of my life and, you know, find a way to make ends meet during the rest of the year and, and hopefully do theater. I really, you know, if somebody had come along and I had looked exactly right for, you know, some big part in some film or a TV show when I was 24 years old, I, I would have failed miserably because I I really didn't. It took me a long, long time to really figure out how to do this well, you know. And at first I was I was getting away with, uh, um, you know, being able to sing and doing musicals and being uh, being able to sort of goof around and, and, and just, you know, be funny. But I didn't really aspire. I, I, I really, I mean, when I was like 25 years old, I was still going back to Montana to do summer stock. I was, I was living in Seattle doing, you know, most of the time making a living doing theater and, and, you know, waiting tables when I had to. I still had no concept of ever moving to New York or L.A. and having a, a you know, a, a real, you know, big-time showbiz career. I just, I was just having fun. Unfortunately, I was, you know, single and stupid and didn't have responsibilities, you know, financial responsibilities at the time. So uh, things literally just came along at the right times. I was doing plays in Seattle and and getting experience along the way, working with a lot of good directors, uh, you know, guys who, who were really adept at, uh, at getting something out of young actors who didn't have a clue what they were doing. And then, you know, then the, the musical came along in, in Idaho. It was called Cowboy. It was the life story of Charlie Russell, who was a Montana artist and cowboy. And and that was enough of an impetus to get me to New York, where, of course, you know, we didn't take Broadway by storm. And again, in New York, you know, I, I had a couple of old friends there, you know, directors and people who, you know, who had sort of nurtured me along. And uh, I was I was just able to really so gradually, so slowly, you know, take one step after another. And I was doing a, a, a workshop in New York. And one of the other guy's agents came to see it, and then you know he he asked me if you know I, I wanted him to represent me as a you know as an actor, and that was that was my first agent. I never hunted for an agent; I stumbled into one because you know a friend of a friend. And this you know the same thing you know so he sent me out for a few regional auditions. I went in for one; it was a part that I was just perfect for, and I got the job. And then you know I went away for eight weeks and did a little night music and. When I came back, that same casting director, you know, now I'm on his list. One thing continues to lead to another. You know, I met Jerry Zachs, uh, you know, who's a big Broadway director, doing a, a, a workshop of a, of a new musical that I got into because I knew somebody from NYU who knew the writer, who knew, you know, and, uh, and Jerry Zachs directed this, this production. And, you know, for years after that. Um, he thought of me when he was casting Broadway shows, and, and I did Guys and Dolls with him. I did Laughter on the 23rd Floor with him. I may be doing a show with him here at the Taper in the fall. In my case, at least, you can stumble into these things. But then, you know, to me, aside from, you know, just hopefully having quote-unquote talent and being able to do what they're asking you to do, at least half of, the, uh, of what you need to do is just be a collaborator, be a reasonable guy, be able to listen, be able to take direction, and and just be somebody that uh, that people want to work with again. You know, um, I mean, it, it wouldn't have mattered how good I don't think it would have mattered. You know, uh, how good I was in Guys and Dolls. Uh, the first thing I did with Jerry, if I was a giant pain in the ass, he wouldn't have hired me for Laughter on the Twenty Third Floor. So don't be a giant pain in the ass. <laughs> That's my career advice. There it is. Well, I. I I think it's so interesting. We get a lot of uh, listeners who ask us um, various forms of the question, when are you ready? You know, uh, and it could be, when are you ready to get an agent? When are you ready to go out on auditions? When are you ready to start acting? When are you ready to quit your day job and just focus on acting? When are you ready? When are you ready? And I think it's so fascinating that you said at 24, you weren't ready for something like you know, if Oz or The Closer were, you know, a, 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 a you know, primetime television show comes along and is like, yeah. you know, we want you, you're perfect for this role, that you weren't ready for that. Now, with that, are you talking about in terms of your acting skill or are you talking about in terms of your ability to handle the, yeah, the quote-unquote business? In my case, it was all of the above. <clears throat> you know, I, I was uh, um, I was really 24 going on, you know, 17 
uh, <laughs> in a lot of ways at the time, and certainly as an actor. I mean, I had I had no training. You know, I, mean, I, I stumbled into it, and I and uh, the the tiny bit of training that I have had is really incidental. You know, I've learned by doing. Uh, and by and by being fortunate enough to work with directors, you know, who were who were nurturing at the right stages of my career, and now, you know, now that I've grown into you know the fifty-something character actor that I was always sort of meant to be, you know, and I and I have a resume and a reputation and and all of that, then uh, you know, in in my my sort of rung of the ladder, wherever that is, you know, um, I, you know, I have a, a pretty comfortable career and a, and a level of, of uh, respect. Uh, I, I always use Brad Pitt as the, and, and, I, and I don't mean it to be at all pejorative, you know, but I mean, if you're like an incredibly good looking, you know, charismatic 24 year old, you know, then, you know, that's a different thing. I, I, I happen to think Brad is like a really, really underrated actor, you know, so, you know, I use him as an example only that, you know, he's, uh, you know, he's a great looking guy. So, yeah, so I wasn't ready, you know, personally, in my own personal maturity, I wasn't ready in, in uh, my level of, uh, of, you know, having refined or developed, you know, whatever talent I have. And I also wasn't ready, you know, because, um, you know, because the parts I was born to play, the parts that I just, you know, fit into that I'm castable in are the parts that I'm playing now, you know. And when I was, when I was you know, in my late 20s, you know, uh, if they'd have cast me as, uh, um, you know, Juno's boyfriend instead of Juno's dad, you know, I just, I didn't have that in me, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't prepared for that. And, you know, fortunately, by the time I met Jason Reitman, and, you know, I was, you know, I was the right guy for that part, you know. Now, you mentioned being a, a collaborator with these people and that sort of in addition to not being a huge pain in the ass, uh, helped you to continue to work with them. I'm really curious to know how th things like Macbeth make it into Oz. Like, is that something that you bring because you, of your sort of theater background? Or, you know, because there's all this sort of theater stuff, Shakespeare musical theater, that somehow sneaks its way into work that I've seen you do in film and television. I'm wondering if that's all you or if that's, you know, uh, something that's coming from you know Sam Raimi as well. Yeah, no, I th that I mean, like the Oz stuff, the you know the the you know the play within the play, the Macbeth thing, and 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 the and the wacky musical episode that we did of that. I mean, that was that you know had maybe one percent to do with me. I mean, that was a show. You know, we're shooting this you know this gritty prison drama. We're doing it in New York, where which is the center of you know. I mean, it's Broadway. You know, so you have uh, all this theater talent. I mean, much of that cast was you know oz was our first tv thing it was a bunch of you know it was a bunch of little theater sissies running around trying to act like tough guys you know <laughs> and so when tom came up with the idea that's an interesting story too actually because when he came up with the idea for the musical episode um it was because harold perrineau who played uh, augustus hill the character in the wheelchair who sort of narrated he was like the greek chorus you know um he was off making a matrix movie which tom fontana by the way is like the ultimate mensch he was always cool about when an opportunity came along for one of us or another he you know he was just a prince about making it happen you know but then you know so he's thinking okay well, i don't have harold for whatever these four episodes or whatever it is and um i gotta come up with a different concept what am i gonna do you know some some other kind of sort of you know otherworldly or you know out of reality kind of uh concept so he calls me and leaves it this is in the answering machine days he calls me and uh, leaves a message on my answering machine at home and this is after he's had me you know crucify people and rape people and you know have you know somebody crap on my face and do, you know i mean he's put my character through a fair amount of you know horrible stuff so i get a message from him and this is the first time this has ever happened i get a message from him on the home phone saying hey jk it's tom had an idea for the show, but uh, you know, I wasn't sure if it was something you know that you'd be uh, that you'd be up for. So I just uh, you know I want to talk to you about it. So I'm thinking, what the hell can this be? <laughs> what could he possibly? I mean, he, you know, he's had every form of like murder, rape, humiliation, degradation that you could possibly you know put somebody through. What the hell does he want me to do? So I call him up, and he's kind of hemming and hawing. He goes, well, you know. I appreciate you. Uh, you know, I, I, one of the things I love about our show is that, you know, we have all these, you know, all you guys are, you're like the bravest actors I know. And it's, you know, I, and I was like, what do you want me to do? You know, and he said, well, I'm, 
I want I want to maybe have you sing. <laughs> you know, and I was like, it was like this huge sigh <laughs> yeah. of relief, but it wasn't. Have you, know, you do what you some, have been doing yeah, for years and years and like, years? Get raped by a horse or something, you know? <laughs> um, so I went, yeah, yeah, I'll sing. <laughs> that sounds great, no problem. So, uh, um, and you know, he had all this great, I mean, he had, he had, uh, uh Rita Moreno and, mm-hmm. and, uh, there were a dozen people in the cast who were, you know, legit like Broadway singers. And then a lot of people who, you know, who, who hadn't been on Broadway, but who also had that, uh, in their, uh, in their quiver. Um, so, uh, so yeah, whatever that was, that was a really fun sort of, uh, digression and, uh, um, and a chance to, to do something different. But really the, the thing about collaborating that I was talking about is, I mean, there are some films I, I just did. You know, I've been doing a lot of indie films lately um, because there are so many great, great scripts out there. I just I did one earlier this year in New York where I was, for the first time ever, I was like the the number one on the call sheet guy, and uh, and was hired early on. Was asked to do a just brilliant script by uh, Gwyn Lurie and Gary Marks, a, a film that may or may not be called Mister Tambourine Man. And uh, and so from the very beginning, when I first met the director, it was like a, a very sort of equal. I mean, you know, he's the director of the movie, but but he was very uh, uh, wanted my input uh, as as they went on with the casting. I got to have some input there, and then you know, as we were shooting, I, I sort of and I, I think I hope you know, in a completely positive way, you know, uh, I've always, always, always really just naturally been. I was going to say tried to be, but it, it, it just, to me, it just comes naturally. It's whatever the way I was brought up. You know, try to be a team player, and and the play's the thing, and you know we're all we're all trying to do the best thing here. And if we're not, you know, if we are out for ourselves, then go away because I don't want to work with you. So anyway, in in that spirit, you know, I was uh, even as we were shooting, you know, I I found myself, and this is something I've I've almost never done. You know, I found myself, you know, suggesting, you know, how how about if we set this shot up this way, or you know, and and always, you know, where I would take Jim, the director, you know, and I would say, hey, can I? You know, not like taking over the set, like I'm the star of the movie and this is the way I want to set up the shot. But, uh, you know, trying to have more and more input into uh, into the whole film, because I felt like as one of the two or three real central characters in the film uh, and as the, you know, the 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 first hire, you know, that I uh, uh, it was just important to me that we make the movie as well as we could. And uh, so in that case, uh, the the collaboration was really, you know, almost like a. a (laughs) like a movie star or like a or like a, 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 a like a like a co-producer or something somebody who was having input on on little script changes and 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 this and that and the other thing in in most of my jobs working with you know film directors or or on TV it's when i say collaborating i just i'm not having a lot of input uh beyond trying to create my character i'm but but even that at its best is is very collaborative because you know when the director is telling you how they see a scene being played or approached or if you've done your homework and if you're if you're doing a part that you actually understand and connect with then then you um at the same time that you're serving the overall piece you're protecting the integrity of you know what you believe is the integrity of your character so you so you need to find ways to uh make those two tasks come together which is, a, you know, obviously a, a, on a sort of case by case basis, but yeah, the, the 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 idea of collaboration. I don't mean to overstate that I'm that I'm always involved in all aspects of of a project. I mean, a, a lot of times I'm the guy that comes in for you know a week or or you know a couple of days or like up in the air, you know, one scene, you know, and just you know you come in and and they sort of they know what they're getting and they know what they expect and you know you're you're having. I have my own perspective on what this character is and what the scene is, but obviously, you know, the movie is not about one of the thirty people who you know George Clooney is firing. That you know, so you so you need to uh, uh, be aware of of your role in the overall arc of thing. You know, if you're a young actor and you're coming in, you get a chance to you know whatever do a couple of scenes in a TV episode. You know, you need to do your you need to be prepared. You need to come. You know armed with what you know with whatever it was that you probably did at the audition that they liked you know but you know on the day when you're you know you know when you're playing somebody on the closer who's got you know two scenes uh, you know you also need to know that they hired you because you were physically right for it because they they liked you know your basic take on the character and when you're there you, you know 
you're serving the peace, and in this case, you're serving Brenda Lee Johnson and the LAPD, and, and uh, you know, you may find that some of the stuff that you thought about this character that was important, you know, isn't perceived as important by uh, by the director and the writers and the producers and the and the uh, and the the actors on the show, the the regulars that you're working with, and the the biggest part of collaborating to me is 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 adapting your own expectations to you know to those of the other people you're working with. So just kind of being flexible. Really. Yeah, being flexible absolutely yeah. is 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 huge. You know, but also knowing when there's something, you know, that's that's that you that's really crucial to your you know to your character to the piece that you that you passionately believe in you know i mean you know you you don't want to back down and you know be uh, um trampled over either you know if 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 it's something that you strongly believe in that uh, you know one of, my, one of my first shows in new york was an off broadway show and uh and there were some pretty established actors and some some you know pretty you know guys like me and the the director ended up getting fired partway through and a new director came in and and he really didn't understand my character and that became apparent and he was like a legendary guy and i loved the piece so much and and my character so much and all this and i finally like one of literally you know three times that i can think of in my 30 whatever year career i ended up just going toe to toe and you know, screaming at this guy you know and and <laughs> and the whole time i'm thinking i'm i'm like having an out-of-body experience, you know, watching myself scream at this, you know, legendary, you know, Broadway director guy and thinking, what the hell, what are you, what the hell are you doing? This is your, you know, but I, but it, but it didn't, what I was doing was, was trying to speak to, uh, to the truth of, of the, of the piece and the character. And interestingly, you know, after that, I found out later that, you know, and you, you, you work with people like this, that he was a guy who sort of, had a reputation for always having a whipping boy. You know, there always needed to be somebody that he needed to kind of, whatever, take everything out on. And I think because my character was the the one that he maybe was the least able to identify with, and because I was some schmuck off the bus from Podunk, you know, that I was his first choice to to sort of be the whipping boy. But but after that, and after I stood up to him, and it wasn't a hissy fit. It wasn't about my ego. It wasn't about, you know, it was it was about trying to make the piece work right and trying to uh trying to have my character's voice be what i believed it to be you know anyway the next day i mean i, I went from there I, I i left that was at the end of rehearsal and i and i went uh to my agent's office and they were just leaving for the day and i walked in and i said well start looking because i just got my ass fired because i was screaming you know and and the next day i you know i go to rehearsal in the morning and um and he treats me like an established Broadway pro, and he starts jumping all over this other actress in the piece. And, you know, she couldn't do anything right for the rest of the rehearsal period. Jeez. Um, not, not sure what the lesson to be learned is. <laughs> you know, it's just, you know, you got to stand up for what you believe in. And that's that, to me, is part of worthwhile collaboration. You know, I mean, if collaborating just means going okay all the time, you know, then, then that's not collaborating. It is cooperating, but it's not, uh, you know, right. it's not contributing. Right. And if I'm doing my math correctly, uh, I think you're allowed to uh, have one blowout every 10 years. Is that right? <laughs> well, that's been my, it's been pretty much mine, yeah. Cause that was, yeah. Your average? <laughs> that was late 80s, and I had one in the 90s, and uh, and I had one, like, yeah, so I got, so I'm, it's time for, sometime in the next 10 years. Oh, geez, <laughs> okay, it could coming. be right here. Yeah. Stay, away, stay away from JK for 10 years. So, we've established sort of these two uh, questions. One that we just recently started that I think I already know what your answer is going to be. And, no, and one that no. we have asked uh, every one of our guests. The first one being, do you feel like you chose this career or this career chose you? Wow, that's um, that might be a, that might be a, a, a namby-pamby 50-50, you know, because um, there was a time when I was when I was in New York I hadn't really gotten my my New York regional career going. You know, I had I'd done a fair amount of stuff in Seattle, and and I'd done a couple of little things in New York. I was living in one crappy sublet after another, and I was literally out of money. I'd come back from a tour that folded early, literally uh, out of money. I had no money. I had you know that month's rent paid. It was like the middle of the month. I was talking to my parents on the phone, and again, I wasn't a kid. I was like whatever, twenty eight, twenty nine years old, going on sixteen. And uh, a friend of mine had come over, and you know we'd hung out, and you know he brought the beer, and we watched the game or whatever. And uh, he he leaves, I go to bed, I wake up the next morning, and he's hidden a, a twenty dollar bill under my uh, uh, answering machine, just peeking out from my answering machine, you know, because I was talking about being broke. And uh, 
and I, I call my uh, I call my parents or I had no I had called my parents the night before and I and, and said Jesus God I don't you know if I had any other saleable skill you know if there was anything else I that I could reasonably do and 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 felt like I could be decent at besides waiting tables I would go do it now because this is you know it's making me crazy I'm, I, you know but for better or worse you know. I didn't get my education degree. I can't. I can't go teach. You know, I can't go do this and that. I mean, the only thing I could do is wait tables or dig ditches. So I guess if I'm going to do that, I guess I might as well stay here and wait and see what happens. You know, and the next morning there's twenty bucks there, and you know I ate for a couple more days and got some subway tokens and went to an audition and you know got a job shortly after that. And and uh, and again, one thing is sort of led to another. So. I mean, the, the amount of, of uh, uh, coincidences, and I'm doing air quotes, that have uh, that helped get my career going, you know, I, I sort of have to feel like it chose me. But, uh, but I think because I didn't give myself any easy outs, I guess I sort of chose it too. So you didn't have a plan B to fall back on? <laughs> no, not really. I was getting, my original plan was to get a, a, my degree, my college degree in in music, in performance, and in education. And then I was taking composition and doing that too. But I thought... You know, you got to be realistic. How many guys are going to go out and have a career in, you know, connect the New York or conduct the New York Philharmonic or or sing at the Met or whatever? So, you know, I'll, I'll get my uh, I'll get my education degree and I'll do summer stock at the Big Fork Summer Playhouse and I'll teach nine months a year in Haver, Montana. And you know, what's wrong with that? And then I went and did my student teaching and realized that I sucked at it and, <laughs> and, uh, and hated it. I love kids. I love my kids. But uh, I, just, I just don't have the teaching gene, you know. Mm. So I thought, well, screw it. I just, you know, I've been in college for five years. So I'm just going to get my, you know, my performance degree and get out and see what happens. So, uh, so yeah, it was, really, it was really just a lack of options that has led to <laughs> nice. the, the career of, you know, venerable character actor J.K. <laughs> That's, that's gonna that's gonna that's gonna go on our website. Is that the longest uh, answer you've had to that simple question? Um, by the way, yes, and we've got one more, so I'm looking forward to it. Um, and the last one is, you know, you have had this, you know, a very long, very successful career, Broadway, off Broadway, film and television. Um, if you could distill everything that you've learned in that time down to just one nugget of advice, like what you feel is the most important thing. Uh, for another actor, what would that what would that advice be? The play's the thing. You're serving the play. I've always felt like you know when I was singing, and here I go with the long version. When I was when I first got into you know singing you know serious classical music, you know I, I was I was very passionate about it in any field, in any artistic field, really in any field, but particularly in the arts, in performing arts, you know, singing, musicians, dancing, acting. Most of us have an ego, but. I, I really, I really honestly felt like there were people, you know, sitting in the practice rooms all day, just, you know, reveling in the glory of their own voice or their own brilliant tone on the violin or, or whatever, their own, you know, technical expertise. And, and, and you know, to their credit, uh, 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 they were probably developing technique more quickly than I was, you know. I just have always believed that, uh, you know, the the creator, whether it's Brahms or... Shakespeare or the Cone Brothers or you know whoever it is you know they're the one that I'm that I'm there to serve you know and I'm trying to take it from from you know Tom Fontana or James Duff who wrote it and I'm trying to communicate it to an audience so I'm just I'm just a vessel I'm just an intermediary and I and I really and I, I, that always sounds like oh I'm not a big Hollywood hotshot I'm just <laughs> but I, I mean I, I I very strongly believe that you know. If you're in it, you know, to be whatever, to be glorified for, for being who you are, you know, to be to be rich and famous, um, please get out. And if you're in it because uh, because you believe in telling stories and uh, uh, serving your part in doing that, then, you know, I think you're there for the right reason, and, uh, and I wish you luck. Amazing. Oh, thank you. It's <laughs> a nice little yeah. affirmation for all our listeners. Well, thank you so much, J.K., for, uh, for being here and for... Uh, you know, uh, giving us your take on this whole crazy business. I'm sure our listeners will appreciate it very much. Yeah, you bet. thank you for being. I, I have to be here anyway. You guys came to me at work, which was very <laughs> nice. So uh, it was really a pleasure, and uh, and good luck to you guys and to uh, to whoever's out there listening.
Hey everyone, welcome back. I hope you redug the redux of J.K. Simmons. Probably one of my favorite interview experiences. We went into you know Neil McDonough's house. Uh, we've we interviewed you interviewed um, what was her name inside her like pie shop? Oh yeah, Lindsay Hollister. Lindsay Hollister yeah. inside her pie shop. Kevin was, Sorbo in his mansion. Kevin but... Sorbo in his mansion. Oh yeah, uh, 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 Tony Horton in his mansion. But this was on the set of the closer in J.K. Simmons trailer. Very, very cool, very generous, and 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 you know, musical theater guy at heart, so I was feeling it. Yeah. I was feeling yeah. it. I was feeling it. It was a good time. So, so. generous. You know, that guy, he just he makes me want to be a better actor. Right? He's just one of those people you 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 hang around for five minutes and you're like, I just want to dig into my craft so fucking hard and and just be awesome because that is what you are, and I just want to be you. Speaking of which, because we didn't mention this in the last episode, can we just talk for a second? about the fact that he was on a television show that got canceled this year. And then he goes out and makes an indie film, like this little, you know, indie film that is now blowing up and people are talking Oscar. I'm talking about like just getting up and be like, all right, what's next? You know? And mm-hmm. and, and the characters couldn't have been more different. You know, he was playing a blind father in on the TV show and now he's playing this like overbearing, crazy, demanding teacher. I don't know. I think he's amazing. I think he's a really, really talented guy. And I'm glad that people are talking. I'm glad that he has Oscar buzz around him because he completely deserves it. Yeah. And you know what this kind of brings to mind, too? In the the book Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill, he talks about, in one of the chapters, he talks about most people really hit their stride and make their biggest kind of create, have their biggest achievements sort of in their like 40s, 50s and 60s. And that there's this idea among people who are typically, quote unquote, unsuccessful, that if they haven't, you know, created these things by the time they're 40 years old, they're a failure. But he kind of talks about successful people knowing that, like, if you just hang in there, that's the golden time. That's when you just got things figured out and you've still got the energy of your of your youth. And and I just I think of JK and all the, the success that he's enjoying now and, you know, the, the obviously beautiful career that he's had, but also how much he struggled when he was younger. And I just think, you know what? There's another great example. It's just, it's all about the marathon, man. It's all about the long haul. It's great. Yeah. I, I, maybe we'll be able to get him back on the show just for a little update. But uh, that'd be great, man. I would love that. After on yeah. Oscar night, well, I mean, after the week after he wins his Oscar, we'll have him on the show. So. There you go. All cool. right. Also, what's your pick of the week, my friend? <laughs> so my pick of the week is uh, possibly a time waster. <laughs> it's called. It's a game. It's an iOS game. It's called Walker. Uh, no E, A, I'm sorry, it's W-A-L-K-R, walkergame.com. And it's, um, it's like a game that kind of fuses uh, like the pedometer ability of your phone kind of with like space exploration with these little planets. And it's, it's, the idea is to get you walking more. The idea is that the more you walk with your phone in your pocket, the more the pedometer logs your steps and then it generates energy for your little spaceship to go out and explore the the, the galaxy and you can discover new planets but it is so well done it is extremely addictive and uh the only reason i'm picking it is because it's it's gotten a, a an unfair amount of my attention this week uh it's free to download and uh i'm just enjoying it and i'm walking a lot more because i want energy for my goddamn spaceship <laughs> <laughs> to discover more planets so you're walking because you want energy for your spaceship and you're drinking water so that you can grow your plants in that other you know that you... and strange strangely enough it's the same folks that made plant nanny of course it's the it same is. company yeah of course yeah. it is can I just tell you that I'm going to kick your ass when I sign up for this thing because I live in New York? <laughs> you are going to kick. You totally should sign up, dude, because there's like a thing where you can you can connect with your friends and actually like piggyback off their walking energy. So I can actually plug you into what they call the bridge on this app, and then I can get a percentage of your walking energy. It doesn't detract from yours. It just spins off a bonus percentage that I can then use for mine. So what you're saying is you're trying to use my New York walking. Use me. Your friend for my New York walking. That's, Dude, what that's what I'm hearing. I live in LA, man. I need to. <laughs> I need to use your walking. Yo, our ships are going high, Trev. Our ships are going high. <laughs> Yo, right, oh my God. How, how could we not talk about... Okay, we're going to go off on this huge tangent, so I'm not going to do this. But next episode, we have to talk about us hitting a comet with a satellite that we launched like 11 or 12 years ago. We yeah. have to talk about that. 
What's your pick of the week, dude? Very simple. Uh, my pick of the week is Wired Magazine, obviously inspired by this uh, this little one-off gig that I've got. And they, uh, in doing some research about the magazine, they they tout themselves or, or originally slated themselves when they first came out as the Rolling Stone of technology. And that really is what they are. It's kind it's of a good a, description. Yeah. It's a really good description because I didn't realize, I mean, I've read Wired. I've actually had a subscription to their iPad version, which is fantastic, by the way. If you have an iPad, get that version. Don't even bother with the print version. But uh, I, I, so I've, I've read their articles um, and like Rolling Stone talks about how music influences culture and culture influences music. Wired talks about how technology influences culture and culture influences technology. So it's an apt description. And I, I have, because of this experience, I've been reading a lot more of their articles and they're really well done. They're really well written. They curate their, their, their writers from all over. The, I mean, they have you know writers that work for the magazine, but they also have writers that they bring in from just the tech world at large. And there's just a lot of fascinating, fascinating articles on there. So if you, if you don't read Wired, I would say start at their website, wired.com, read some stuff on there, maybe expand out to you know picking one up at a newsstand so you can just get the one issue, kind of feel that out, dip your toes in the water. And then if you have an iPad, Check out the iPad version. Otherwise, subscribe to the uh, to the magazine. We, we're not getting a kickback. I, I'm I, my job is not to sell subscriptions to Wired magazine. I just think it's cool. So don't worry about yeah. that, folks. I've always been really impressed with with the stuff I've read in Wired. It's just it's top of the line journalism. It really is. It yeah. really is. And 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 I'm reminding myself of that by by re. By reading this stuff, like re getting into it, basically. Yeah. So, so that's a Walker game, no e, no first e. Yeah. Dot com, uh, or Walker game for uh, I guess iOS. This uh, this iOS I think, app. I think it's just have, iOS right now. Yeah. And Wired magazine from yours truly. Sweet. Cool. Our patron of the week. Uh, I had everything to do with this. I'm just going to admit that right now because we hung out last night. So our patron of the week is actually Jay. Rose. He's been Patreon the week before. Oh, it was a while back. I think I might have talked about him a few months ago um, when he wasn't our patron of the week uh, because he came to see Heathers. But uh, Jay is a, a South Florida-based actor and journalist who rarely speaks about himself in the third person, but he's not right now because I'm doing it. But relishes the opportunity to do so here. I'm just reading his bio. A veteran of several student films, he's eager to move his acting career forward in the months and years ahead. Jay currently trains at the Burt Reynolds Institute for Film and Theater. You can follow him on Twitter at J.I. Rose. Super nice guy. Uh, I, I This is only the second time I've uh, had the opportunity to hang out with him. And we had a blast. And um, I would encourage all of you to connect with him on Twitter, especially if you're down there in Florida. Um, he's a big Dolphins fan. Um, and uh, yeah, just a really nice guy. Burt Reynolds Institute for Film and Theater. That's kind of cool and unexpected. Yeah, and I guess that means it's in Florida, which I, I don't know. I, I don't know enough about Burt Reynolds to know if he has a connection to Florida. Yeah, that's really trippy. I didn't, I, that's cool. I didn't know he had a school or an institute. Excuse me. Institute, uh, yes. Yeah. Get it right, Trevor. <laughs> Get it right, or Burt cool, Reynolds man. will come to your house. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. I'm going to have nightmares about that. <laughs> uh, anything else you want to add before we wrap this bad boy up? No, man. Let's do it. All right. It's turkey time. So let's be quick. Let's be- Inside Acting is produced and co-hosted by me, Trevor Algott, and you, AJ. AJ Meyer. Jen Levin is our production coordinator. Cesar Gamino is our technical producer. Gadali Guberek is our marketing and web director. And Deborah Smith is our community manager. You can sign up for our free weekly email dispatch. And listen to all of our recent episodes at our website, which is InsideActingPodcast.com. You can also find us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, and pretty much wherever you choose to download podcasts. And this episode of Inside Acting was, of course, made possible in part by Rehearsal 2, the app for actors. You want to learn your lines, be off book for auditions, explore your character, and make stronger choices? Guess what? There's an app for that. Rehearsal 2. Download it now at RehearsalTheApp.com slash download. That's rehearsaltheapp.com slash download.
And of course, this episode was also made very possible by listeners like you. If you love inside acting and want to help keep the show going, sign up as a monthly patron and get cool perks like access to an exclusive online patron-only mastermind group, which is coming soon. We're working on that right now. You'll get a shout out on the show, on the show website and in the show newsletter. You'll get freebies and discounts on merchandise and other upcoming podcast offerings. And P.S., uh, I'm working on some t-shirt designs that I think could be kind of yeah, fun. Yeah, we as are. Well as, uh, as well as a couple other things that I think people will really value. And um, I definitely want to make make the uh, the patronage uh, a no-brainer for people with these. So just visit InsideActingPodcast.com to sign up. Uh, click on the patron tab and you'll be ready to rock. Woohoo! They're coming. So uh, I guess that's it for episode 170 of Inside Acting. Thanks for listening. My name is AJ Meyer. I'm Trevor Elgott. We'll see you next week. In the meantime, have yourself some turkey. Turkey.